This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. Bill Johnson, the pastor of Bethel in Redding, California, in his book, Hosting the Presence, the Presence of God, says this. Every believer is aware of God, but not always, always at a conscious level. This grabbed me as I was reading his book recently, Hosting the Presence, that God is wanting to speak and God is speaking. The question is, are we hearing and do we understand what God is saying? Learning to develop an awareness of his presence is one of the most important aspects of your life and your walk in your relationship with the Lord as a Christ follower. We will not always be able to, to, to recognize if we don't learn how to tune in. We, we won't be able to know his will if we don't tune in to his presence. You will not be able to go beyond in any area of your life if you don't learn how to, to listen and, and understand and, and, and receive the message that God has for you. In fact, in John chapter 10, look there with me in, in, in verses 4, when he had brought out all of his own, verse 4 of chapter 10, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him, Jesus is saying, because they know his voice, underline it. Today we're going to be talking about recognizing the voice of God, knowing his voice. He goes on to say in verse 5, but they... They will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. And then Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. A few verses later, he goes on in verse 14 to say this, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. And if you are underlining, underline this, and my sheep know me. Today, that's what we're talking about is recognizing the voice of the Lord. That as Christ followers, that, that we learn to walk in his way. At the end of our spiritual growth campaign, a few months ago, we talked about abiding in Christ. How do we learn to recognize the Lord as we learn to abide in him? To abide in him means we stay, we, we remain, we dwell in the presence of God, in the word of God, and we learn to be obedient to God as he speaks to us. In fact, in James chapter 4 and verse 8, it tells us if we will draw near to God, he will draw near to us. So this is what I know is, is in the next 21 days, as we pursue him, as we humble ourselves, as we seek his face, as we come into his presence, as we draw near to God, God will draw near to us. We will hear God and we will get revelation from the Lord. And that is what I'm looking for and desiring in my life. Can I hear an amen? A long time ago, I learned that... that I, you, we, we control how much of God we're going to receive by our own spiritual appetites. How much hunger do we have? How much do we desire him? Do we long to be with him? 
The reason that many are not walking close with God and they don't have an intimacy with God is because they lack a hunger to know God and to be with God and to have revelation from God. Pondering that thought, I, I, I have often asked, why isn't there more hunger in the body of Christ? Isn't there, why isn't there more of a desire to pursue God and run after God? Why does all of the conditions have to be perfect before we're going to be there? We're going to, to, we're going to pursue him. Maybe it's because, uh, uh, because uh, uh, you know, our spiritual lives have turned more into a religion instead of a relationship with God. Maybe it's more about just being there, going, just doing, and, 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 and we've lost the touch in fact, the, the, in Revelation, you know, the, the word there to the church was that they had lost their first love. There, there wasn't that hunger anymore, that passion anymore, that desire anymore. It was more of a religion. A religion is about knowing what's right, knowing that having the proper theology, going through the right rituals and, and doing or dressing or saying the right things. And we've lost the touch of having a relationship with God. Maybe that's why we've lost our hunger. Maybe we've lost our hunger because of the things of this world. The things in the world has grabbed us and, and the carnal man that's within us has become stronger than the spirit man and the spirit man has grown weak and is actually starving while the strong man is the carnal man and the carnal man is fed by the things of this world. And therefore, maybe my desires, my focus, the priority of my life is not in alignment Boy, I go back to what the psalmist said in Psalms where David, Psalms 42 says, Oh, the deer that pants for the water in the streams is like my soul for you, O God. I long for you. I long, I desire to have an intimate walk and relationship with the living God. Is that my hunger? Is that the desire of my heart? Or has this turned into a ritual? Has it turned into just good music and a good word, but it doesn't change me and pierce me and move me and motivate me? Does the word penetrate into me? Do I walk away with conviction? Now, not condemnation. Condemnation is from the enemy. It makes me feel guilty and it makes me feel shamed and it makes me feel like I never am going to measure up. But conviction of the Holy Spirit gets in my spirit and begins to turn in me and challenge me and motivate me to be different because God is calling me to a higher level. Man, the longing to be in a service, to be in the presence of God and to know the voice of God that pushes me and propels me and moves me. I believe we're living in a time and an age where in the church as a whole, there is a spiritual dehydration that's taking place. People are thirsty. They don't even know that they're thirsty. And the problem that they don't even recognize is that living water is just a few steps away. They can take a drink from the living water and that living water will bubble up within them and be the very refreshing and the very thing that will bring purity and refreshing and cleansing and power and life that will overflow in them. It's a few steps away and they are spiritually dehydrated. 
few months ago, Pastor Candy and I were, were up in the mountains with our boys in, in North Carolina, and, and we were by a, a stream that was coming. The boys were hiking all the way up to the top in our younger days. We would have hiked with them, but now we were deciding to stay down on the bottom of the mountain as they hiked to the top, and we sat there by the stream of living water, that water that was flowing and flowing, and man, the current that was there, the power that was there. And I was amazed as I watched how that water made its path. Wherever it wanted to go, it was going. And it reminded me of streams of living water, the Holy Spirit that's released to you and I that brings cleansing and refreshing and anointing and power that's within. And yet many are steps from it and they're spiritually dehydrated. People often pray and say, God, increase my hunger. Can I tell you, that's really an incorrect prayer. The right prayer would be that God, as I pursue you and as I'm hungry for you, release your glory in my life. But my hunger is my responsibility. I've got to increase the hunger within me. My will has got to align and determine. I mean, I've got to determine within me, I'm going to pursue him. I've got to touch him. I want to know him. And there's something in me that it's my responsibility. The more of God I crave, the more of God I desire, the more of God, James says, I'm going to get. And the beautiful thing is the more of God you get, the more of God you crave. When you touch him, when he reveals, when you get under the refreshing waters and you begin to understand how much God desires to pour into you, the more you long for it. I mean, your hunger becomes a spiritual thermostat of what God is going to release in your life. So yes, God increased my hunger, but more God helped me to have the will, the desire, the discipline to desire more of you. I mean, for all of us, Think about it. When, when we're sick, what's the first thing we lose is our appetite. And so when we're in the church and we've lost our hunger and our appetite, our desire for God, then it's an indication that something is not right. But the problem is we don't challenge ourselves. The problem is, is we don't awaken ourselves. We don't, like, like, the, like the scripture says, wake up, O sleeper. We stay in that state of dullness and, and, and sleepiness. And the psalmist would remind us that we've got to pursue him like the deer pants for the water. If you've ever been hunting, maybe this isn't the place to say it, but if you've ever been hunting, you'll wait and you'll see, maybe you'll watch the deer. I remember hunting one time and boy, I sat right by the streams and I saw a deer come running and stop right at that stream. And here, that's what David is saying, is like the deer pants for the water. So my soul longs for you. One of the things I love about the season that we're in the season of prayer and fasting in January. I believe what we do now sets the course for the rest of the year. I believe what God is going to be speaking and downloading to you and I will be transformational, revelational to you and your life, to us corporately. And I cherish these moments. We set aside these 21 days for prayer and fasting. It starts tomorrow, say tomorrow. So tonight you can eat whatever you want. It starts tomorrow. Prayer and fasting. 
Now tomorrow as we begin our journey of prayer and fasting, there are three types of fasts that I want to challenge you with. The first fast is what we call the full fast. Now the full fast, and by the way, you have a, a little card. I know you have a lot of cards in, in your packet today, but there's a little card that has all of this mapped out. It's also in the first few pages of the devotional that we've written for you. The full fast is, is where you, you drink only water, eating no food, no sweets. You don't take your meal, blend it all up and drink it. That doesn't work. No smoothies, no energy drinks. You know, you, 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 you go for a 24-hour period of time. The biblical full fast was drinking water only. Now, the full fast, I'm, I'm not challenging you today. I'm not saying to you today for the next 21 days to do the full fast. What I'm saying is over the next 21 days, every day, I want to challenge you to do something. You may mix it up a little bit. You may have uh, one day a week where you do the full fast. There might be three days in the beginning and three days at the end. There might be a seven-day period. There might be a 10-day period that you, that you mix in. But what I want to ask you and, 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 and inspire you to today is do not be afraid of the full fast. Don't be afraid to work in and to challenge yourself physically and spiritually to do a full fast, one day a week, two days, one, uh, uh, one three-day period, whatever it may be as the Lord leads you, the full fast. Now, the full fast is typically a 24-hour period of time. You determine what that looks like. If it's from sun, uh, sunrise to sunrise the next day or sunset to sunset, 12 noon to 12 noon, 12 midnight to 12 midnight, whatever it is, you determine it. Biblically, it would have been from sunset to sunset, but the 24-hour period of time where it is a full fast. The second type of fast is the partial fast. The partial fast is where you will, you will fast a meal or two a day. Sometimes it would be from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, uh, maybe it would be skipping lunch every day. Now, if you normally skip breakfast, and skipping breakfast is what you do. That's what you normally do. So it's not an extra sacrifice for you. So I would challenge you then, if you normally skip breakfast, go ahead and skip breakfast and lunch. Or maybe skip dinner and breakfast and only eat lunch or whatever. But you do a partial fast. In that partial fast, whatever you uh, designate is going to be your partial fast, take this time, whatever fast you do, and use it in prayer. Use it in, in reading the word. Use it in reading the devotion. Use it to connect your spirit with God's spirit. The third type of fast we introduced a couple weeks ago was the Daniel fast. The Daniel fast, you can eat at any time during the day, but typically the Daniel fast is there's no meats. There's no proteins of meats. There's no sweets, no breads. There's no, uh, you know, energy drinks and sweets. Typically it's fruits and vegetables. Now, there are resources online. I think we have a book in the bookstore on the Daniel fast. The Daniel fast, if you've not fasted, is a little bit easier. The partial fast with the Daniel fast is something that you may want to work in. But again, I want to encourage you, don't be afraid of the full fast. 
Most of us do not have a physical condition uh, that would keep us uh, uh, the, from fasting. It's, it's a fleshly desire. I want to eat. I want to feed myself. It's more mental sometimes than anything. And I want to encourage you to use this season to pursue God. Let your hunger for God begin to increase so that you can actively get into a place that God can speak to you. So today what I want to do is during the next 21 days, I want to share with you ways that I believe God will speak to you, ways that God will reveal himself to you, different ways that God will speak. A few of these ways you might be familiar with, a few of them we don't talk about much, and I'll take a few seconds and moments to talk about them uh, today. The first way that God speaks to us, and it's prob probably the primary way that God speaks to us, is through his written word through the word of God. And my prayer is over the next, uh, over the, actually over the next year and, and over this next season, especially the next 21 days, is that there would be a passion and a desire in you and I to get into the word of God and to know God through his word. Now, when God is speaking to you and I, can I tell you that God will never contradict his written word. What he has told us in the word of God becomes our ultimate standard. It is our measure of what's true and false, right and wrong. It becomes the guide that leads us. And when we abide in Christ, we must abide in the word because it's through the word that we will understand the character of God, the nature of God, the ways of God. We'll learn to recognize the methods and, 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 and all of these different aspects of God. And as we do, then the other ways that God speaks to us will align themselves with the word of God. Now, of course, as we're abiding in the word, we've got to obey the word, not just know the word, but walk in the word, meditate on the word, ponder the word of God so that it gets deep within us and it moves us to do what God has called us to do. So the word of God is the primary way that God speaks to us. God will never have you do something that his word forbids. If you get a special thought, revelation, picture, prophecy, something that it comes to you and it contradicts the written word of God, that is not from God. Everything has got to measure up to God's word. In fact, one way of praying over the next 21 days might even be to begin to pray God's word. Begin to get the word of God on your lips and as you speak it, it gets into your spirit. It becomes motivational for you. It becomes like a, a seed that gets planted in your spirit and like a seed, it begins to be watered and nurtured and, and cultured. That's uh, uh, nurtured and you, 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 uh, begin to, uh, you begin to let it grow and take root in in your, in your life. And so you begin to speak it, you begin to pray it, and, and it's through this word, the word of God, that we are cleansed. It's, it's through God's word that we're healed, we're freed. It's through the word of God that we are matured and we grow. And that's why it's so important, important to get into God's word. Now, one thing that we're going to be doing over the next 21 days, I wanna challenge you to do it with us is during the 21 days that starts tomorrow, we're going to be reading through the New Testament. And to read through the New Testament in 21 days means that you will read about 12 chapters a day. It's very doable, not that difficult at all. 
We put in your packet that you got today uh, a Go Beyond card, and on the back of the card, it's got blue and white lines, on the back of the card is the reading schedule for 21 days of reading through the New Testament together. Now, you'll be getting that which God wants to speak to you individually, but together, corporately, we'll be reading through the New Testament. As we're reading it, begin praying it, begin speaking it. As you see the prayers of Paul and the prayers of others, begin to speak that. As you see how the Spirit is moved on the different churches in the New Testament, begin to pray that. As you begin to see what God says to the believers of old, begin to speak it over your life. And for 21 days, you will immerse yourself into the Word of God. So I want to encourage you, start this with us tomorrow. Tomorrow will begin our 21 days. God will direct, God will speak, there'll be revelation that will come to you. Now one of the tests that you can always measure, before I go to number two, you can always measure, is this from God? Is God speaking? Is this a word that the Lord is is speaking into my life, a a revelation to me? You can always test and, and ask yourself, does that word agree with with the Holy Bible, with the written word of God. You can always measure it. Again, it will not contradict God's written word. What he has already said, he is consistent and it will line up. So if you think you've heard something, if someone says something, if you get a picture or prompting or a dream or a vision and you think it's God, but it violates principles of God's word, then you can ignore it and disobey it because it's not God. In fact, Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 19 says that truth stands the test of time. Truth, God's word will stand the test of time. The majority of what God's will is for your life is already written. That's why we've got to read it, memorize it, get into it. Because when we do, we will recognize the lies of the enemy, the tricks of the devil. We'll recognize where our own mind and our own emotions are trying to manipulate us. And we can begin to understand what God's will is. Can I hear an amen? So for the next 21 days, my challenge, first of all, is that we will walk through the New Testament together. The second thing I want to challenge you on, it's the big devotional that you've got. Starting tomorrow for 21 days is we have written, our staff has written this. This has all been produced by our team for you. Took a lot of time and energy. We did it because we believe that there's something God wants to do in these 21 days is that every day there's a daily devotion. Starting tomorrow, day number one, For three weeks, we're going to look at three different areas. We're going to look at our beliefs, our character, and our behaviors. And how does God want us to go beyond? So for 21 days, beginning tomorrow, begin to go through the devotion with us. Now, this is my challenge to everybody. My challenge to you is every day, do not watch TV or social media until you've done your daily reading. Every day, until you've done your daily reading. Now for all of the couples in the house, give me a wave. If you're a couple here, all the couples, hold yourselves accountable. Determine that you're gonna hold each other accountable. Guys, we're not gonna put on the game until we get our daily reading done. 
Now, a good way to do this is download a Bible app, and when you're driving, you can listen to that portion of the New Testament. You'll read 12 chapters, listening to 12 chapters on your way to work and home, I guarantee you, you'll knock it out over lunch, read your devotion, ways that you can begin to connect and commune with God every day. So first of all, God speaks to us through his written word. Secondly, God speaks to us in what's called the gentle whisper, the still small voice. In 1 Kings chapter 19, we have the story of Elijah and where God came and he spoke to Elijah and it was called the gentle whisper, sometimes referred to as the voice of the Lord, that small, still voice of God. The inner speaking of God into your spirit where, you are, where you're able to begin to quiet yourself and hear the Lord. If we go back to the quote from Bill Wilson uh, uh, that I shared with you uh, in the very beginning is that God is speaking. It's just, are we conscious of it? Are we aware of it? Do we hear it? We can become so busy. There's so much noise in our life that we don't, we don't hear what God is saying. That still, small voice, that gentle whisper of God. When you learn to recognize it, you learn to appreciate it, you learn to see it, you learn to understand it when you're in the Word, when you're, when you're walking through life, that gentle whisper and that still, small voice of the Lord. It's the gentle nudging of God. Unfortunately, though, many are waiting. They're waiting for a dramatic writing in the sky kind of encounter with God, a thus saith the Lord moment, and they miss the words of God that God wants to speak to them in the gentle moments of their life. He is speaking in the inner man of your spirit. He is speaking, and we've learned, we have to learn to recognize it. Paul talks about this. I want to read it to you. Over in 1 Corinthians, turn with me there. It's a lengthy passion, a a portion of scripture, a passage. Can't get that tongue twister out of my mouth. It's a lengthy portion, a passage that's lengthy. And I want you to follow with me. The still small voice, the leading of the spirit of God. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, let's begin reading in verse 9. I will read uh, the, the, the living Bible. You follow along in your translations. This is what is meant by the scriptures which say that no mere man has ever seen, heard, or even imagined what wonderful things that God is ready for those who love the Lord. But... We know about these things. You as believers, we, he says, know about these things for God has already given it to us. For we know about these things because he has sent his spirit to tell us. And his spirit searches, uh, searches out and shows, uh, shows us all of God's deepest secrets. No one can really know what anyone else is thinking or what uh, he is really like except for that person himself. And no one can know God's thoughts unless, uh, uh, except God's own spirit. Now look here in verse, um, in, in verse 12. And God has actually given us his spirit not the world spirit, to tell us about the wonderful free gifts of grace and blessing that God has given to us. 
in telling you about these gifts. We have even used, uh, uh, we have, we've even used the, the very words given to us by the Holy Spirit, not words that we as men might choose. So we, we use the Holy Spirit's words to explain the Holy Spirit's facts. But the man who isn't a Christian can understand and can't accept these thoughts from God, which the Holy Spirit teaches us. They sound foolish to him. They sound foolish because only those who have the Holy Spirit within them can understand what the Spirit means. Others just can't take it in. But the supernatural man has insight into everything. And that bothers and baffles the man of the world who can't understand him at all. How could he? For certainly he has never heard one, never, uh, never uh, been one to know the Lord's thoughts or to discuss them with him or to move the hands of God by prayer. But... Strange as it seems, we Christians actually do, do have within us a portion of the very thoughts and mind of Christ. Can I hear an amen? amen. What Paul is saying is God's wisdom is revealed to us as believers. God is revealing it might be through an impression or a godly thought or, or a subtle leading. But in our spirit, in the, in the inner man of, of, your, of your life, in your heart, your spirit, you know that you know. You know it's not just mere man or just words of, 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 of an ordinary uh, man. But there is something supernatural and God's spirit is speaking to you. Sometimes it'll be a, be a word of knowledge or, or a word of wisdom. It'll be revelation that comes and God begins to reveal to your heart. Now, thankfully, over in the book of James, turn with me to James chapter 3. I'm in a teaching moment, so I don't want to lose you, but it's important for me to help you to understand practically how do you know that that is God? The voice you hear, the prompting you have, the impression that you have, is that really from God? Well, in James chapter 3, we get a practical checklist. And in this checklist, we can begin to see, is this idea from God? Is this impression I have, this thought that I have, is, is this really from God or, or is it from me or, or from some other means? Look here, James 3, we get a practical checklist. It says, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition, such wisdom is of the devil. So he says, if you get an idea and that idea is filled with bitter envy, it's an idea of you're gonna get even, you're gonna get revenge, you're going to retaliate, then don't buy into it. It's, it's not of God. Don't, don't buy in. If you're going to get something, you want to, you want to pursue something, you want to buy something, and you're doing it out of jealousy or envy, it's not of God. It's not something that God has. And he, and he says also here, and selfish ambition. Man, we do so many things that are self-serving and God gets the blame for it. I mean, we try, to, we try to use God, and it's our own self-serving ambition. We try, to, we try to promote ourselves. We try to make ourselves look better. We try to make ourselves look like, you know, uh, uh, seem that we're more likable. If this voice says to you, this thought, this impression, this prompting that you have, do this, 
and it's going to make you wealthy, famous, or envied. Can I tell you that that thought didn't come from God? That thought didn't come. Now, I'm not saying that we don't, we don't pursue things and, and pursue after uh, areas of life that, that will, will help not only ourselves financially to make a living in life, but I'm telling you, when we begin to get thoughts that are making us selfish, uh, self-ambitious, and envy, those thoughts will not come from God. Now, James will go a little bit further here, and he'll say, okay, then impressions from God are going to have these kinds of roots. They're going to be pure. I mean, if you've got impure thoughts, that's not of God. Purity comes from God. If you have a thought from somebody, uh, about somebody that, that is of the, you know, uh, of the opposite sex, that's not your spouse. If you're married and, and you've got thoughts for, for somebody else, can I tell you that's not of God? I had someone one time here in this church, right here, had someone meet me in the lobby and said, uh, I really believe God has spoken to me to divorce my spouse. And I said, have they committed adultery? No. Have they forsaken you? Have they, you know, are, are you being abused in any way? No. Just don't love them anymore. And I really believe God has spoken to me that I'm to be happy. Well, can I tell you, that thought is not of God. It's not of God. You may not be happy. You may not be enjoying it. And all I can say is welcome to marriage. It's got its ups and downs. <laughs> Singles, it's, you know, it's wonderful. I don't want to underestimate for you how beautiful it is. But there are ups and downs and you journey through it. That's why you make a covenant, a covenant with one another before God. For better or for worse. Unfortunately for Candy, she got the worse. I mean, but for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, we're in this. So don't come to a worship service, get all excited, jump up, down, raise your hand, shout hallelujah, and walk out in the lobby and say, I think God wants me, and it's an impure thought. He goes on to say, it's peace-loving. If it's something that promotes harmony, then it's from God. If it's peace and, 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 and unity in the body of Christ, it's peaceful. But man, if it's going to create conflict and, and it's not going to build harmony and peace, then you've got to be careful because the enemy's going to use it to bring division. If someone says something and, 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 uh, and, and, and you, uh, you know that what's been said or done is not right, I had someone say, well, I'm going to correct them in love. I'm going to speak the truth in love. And man, there was anger all over them. They were angry. They were mad. What had happened? And, what, and, you know, and I said, you know what? What you want to say is right, but you're not in a right position to say it. You're, you're not in a right frame of reference. I want you to take some time to begin praying about it. I want you to begin the process, maybe even fast before you meet with them. How about you go ahead and write down everything you want to say. And then when you're done, crinkle it up and throw it away. And then after you've prayed, after you've gotten out all of the venom and all of the poison, after you put it before the Lord, now you can go and say, brother, sister, I want to share with you something. And usually you're going to begin to understand another perspective you didn't even think about. I remember in Vienna, honey, that, that I was going to meet with someone and I was angry. I was really, really mad. 
I mean, I was, I was really upset. Everything that a pastor should be, they told me I wasn't. And I mean, they, they laid it all out. I mean, and I was angry and I had this whole list. I was ready to meet with them and I brought them in. And in the first two minutes, I began to understand their perspective and everything I wrote no longer was valid. And I thought later, what a waste of time. In fact, inside of me, I have to be honest with you, I wanted to still share it because I took time to research it. I wanted to still share what was on my paper, but I realized it's not of God. I was acting out of anger. I was acting out of my own selfishness and how I felt. And it doesn't matter how godly you are, hurt people hurt people. Doesn't matter how godly you are. And so you've got to flush it and allow peace to come out and allow joy to come out. It's peace loving. It's considerate. That's what he says here. He says, it's considerate. Man, would this hurt them? Is this going to harm them? God's concerned about how it's going to affect them. Is it submissive, humble, teachable? I mean, if you're carrying an arrogant attitude, and one of the biggest arrogant attitudes in the church today is this attitude of a religious spirit. I know it. I've been it. I've done it. I, you know, you're not going to move me. You're not going to share anything more with me. That's not what God wants. God wants you to keep digging deeper wells. He wants you to continue to walk with humility. You can have the highest degrees in this room, be a biblical, theological, and I'm telling you, there's more to what God wants to reveal to you and teach you. You do not have the corner market on the wisdom of God, the ways of God, and the knowledge of God. There's more. And boy, Paul, Paul helps us. He says, I want to share with you something I shared with you before. Why? It's because sometimes we forget. We know it, but we don't live it and we don't do it. And sometimes you just need someone to step up and say, wake up, oh sleeper. Wake up. This is what God is saying to us. And it doesn't matter if we know it. The question is, am I living it? And so he says, is it full of mercy? Is it something that's gracious and forgiving? Is it impartial? Is it sincere? Or is a little bit of manipulation there? A little bit of control there? Now, a test for me in this area. I got to get to the next two points. I know I've gone long. The next two points I'm going to get to. But a test for me in this area, when I feel like I've got a word from God, an impression from God, I, I feel like this is, is, does this make me more like Christ? If it's not making me more like Christ, it doesn't mean it's a bad thought. It doesn't mean it's something wrong. But it's a, it's a gauge that, that I can begin to lay my life up to and I can begin to measure. And so the habit that I want, to, I want to develop in us over the next 21 days is a habit of hearing the voice of God. And I want to encourage you, as God begins to speak to you, write it down. Now, a tool that we gave to you for the next 21 days is what we call faith goals. It's a big card. You won't miss it. I know there's a lot of cards in there. You won't miss this one. It's real big. The faith goals. Now, the faith goals, can I tell you, is one of the most important things that you can do in the next 21 days. Why? It's because you grow. You grow into your goals. And as God begins to release divine revelation, we call them divine urgencies and, and words of wisdom and words of knowledge and, and faith goals. A faith goal is, God, with your help, this is what I believe you want to do. God, with your help. It's a faith goal. I'm going to need you. I'm going to need your help. I'm going to need wisdom and guidance and growth. I'm going to need you to move. I'm going to need supernatural revelation and supernatural power. It's a faith 
go. And God, it's something that's different than goals. It's something that comes from the heart of thought, from, the, from the Father for you and I, for our individual lives. Now, we've put it into four major categories. For your personal life, for your career, your job, what are, what are some things that you want to see God do there? Maybe it's growth there. Maybe it's a new position. Maybe it's a way that you want God to use you in the workplace, in your career, in your job. A lot of you are in jobs right now that aren't fueling you and they're not passion for you. It's, it's something that, that you go through the motions on. Begin to pray about that and begin to say, God, how can I be the person that can get into the position that will fuel me so that when I go to work, it's not work, it's a joy and it provides a living, but what I'm doing brings joy in my life. Now, that might take a season of growth. That might take some strategy of how you get there. But what are some goals for your career, for your family, and for your spiritual life, your ministry, your divine design? For a lot of you, under ministry, your goal needs to be go to an encounter. Go to an encounter. Go to an encounter. Write it right now. Take a pencil. Write it right now. Go to an encounter because you're not going to go beyond until you get into alignment and you begin to grow into that which God wants to do in your life. So go to an encounter. Get into a life group. If you're not in a life group, write it down. Get into a life group. That's a goal. It's a goal. It's from God. I'm telling you. It's from God. I'm serious. It's from God. Right on there. Number three, don't miss a Sunday. What am I telling you? These are things that will help you to grow in your ministry, in your spiritual life, in your walk with God. Now, this is very, very important. On the last day of 21 days, when does 21 days start? Tomorrow. The last day, which will be uh, Sunday night, 22 days from now. On Sunday night, I want you to bring this card. On that Sunday night, it's a night's ablaze, we're gonna be praying over your faith goals. Now what's gonna happen is over 21 days, you're in the New Testament. For 21 days, you're reading the devotion. For 21 days, you're praying and fasting. You're getting downloads from God. You're getting divine inspiration and you're writing that down on this card. And on that night, we're bringing this card, we're consecrating it to the Lord. And I guarantee you, when you align with what God wants to do in your life, I believe that God begins to release his power. Can I hear an amen? All right, worship team, come back. The last two areas I want to give to you on how God speaks. You don't have outline, so you don't know uh, really what's left except for you're on the, the, the app. But the third way that God speaks through his word, through the still small voice, the gentle whisper. And thirdly, God will use dreams, pictures, images, and sometimes even visions. I put all of those on one line, one, one category. They, they may be different, I understand that. But dreams, pictures, and images. God will use prophetic dreams and pictures. In fact, all through the scripture, over and over again, we'll see that God used those ways to speak to his people. And honestly, there's not a lot that's talked about it, some written about it, because we don't understand it, for one. And two, it can get a little a little weird. It can get a little spooky sometimes. And, 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 and there's a lot of air that can happen in this realm. And, and, and so we just leave it alone. But God uses pictures. 
and images. I've worked with people from around the world for over 20 years now. I've been in so many baptismal services where a former Muslim is about to be baptized and they're giving their testimony, but I've heard Hindus say it, I've heard others say it, is they'll say, God came to me, God spoke to me, and I'm waiting for them to say, man, now, this isn't of God, but it's of the flesh. I'm waiting for them to say, man, Pastor Tom was preaching and there was a revelation that came. And that's what, that's what they say. They'll say, there was, a, there was a picture I had. There was a vision I had, a dream. Man, Muslim after Muslim after Muslim, I've heard them say, Christ appeared to me in a dream. And God began to get my attention. See, he uses it. Many times in your prayer and devotions and times of fasting, you'll get pictures in your mind. When I'm leading a prayer meeting of a smaller group, I'll usually always say, what is God saying? Maybe to you personally or to us as a group. Is he giving you a picture? Is he giving you a thought? That, that's something for all of us? And many times someone will say, I, I got this picture. This, this, this picture came to my mind. And man, they'll begin, to share, they'll begin to share it. And can I say, it's powerful. I mean, it's like, wow, that is so good. So good. I remember one night, one day, we, every Thursday, we come in here as a staff, uh, many of us that are involved in the weekend service order. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk about from all of our campuses, what's happening throughout the services on all the campuses. And then we'll pray. And one week, man, the Holy Spirit hit us. And, and we were praying, man, for hours. We were praying in here. And people, different staff members begin to share the pictures and the words that God was given to them. And man, it was powerful. God will speak to us like that. But I've often found that God will confirm his will, his words, his voice to us, his way in multiple ways and at multiple times. And we've got to recognize this because the challenge with dreams especially is not all dreams are from God. Some dreams are from my soul. The soul, the mind, the will, the emotions. They're, they're coming out of what I'm going through. My own emotional state can come into my dream state. Some dreams are not only from my soul, but they're from the enemy. The enemy that tries to attack. Now, Webster Dictionary calls that nightmares. If you're having nightmares, if you're having nightmares, someone met me in the lobby a couple weeks ago and says, I'm having nightmares of snakes and they're crawling all over me. And I'm thinking, that's not of God. How many would agree with me? That's not of God. You're having dreams of snakes crawling all over you. Now, does it sound spooky and weird? Yeah, but it happens. Do you feel like you're falling and there's no, I mean, you're just falling and falling and falling and falling. Anybody ever had that dream? That's not of God. The enemy works in fear. He works to terrify and, and he brings fear and he wants to kill, steal, and destroy the joy of God, the work of God, the plan of God, especially the peace of God. So he works with fear. Maybe there's been an open door in our life. The enemy works in condemnation, guilt, shame, condemnation. That's who he is. By the way, how do I know that? It's because I'm a student of the word. And we see how he works in his ways. He works in these ways. And so when we begin to have those kinds of dreams, that's not of God. 
And by the way, when we start having those kind of dreams, we have prayer teams that can help you pray through that. We have a ministry called Healing Point that helps you get freedom in those areas and get the peace of God in your life. All you got to do is call in and say, I want to meet with a healing, uh, a healing Point team. And when you meet with a Healing Point team for a, for a period of time, they begin to pray with you that you can bind that spirit that's oppressing you and the enemy that's tormenting you. And you can get victory in your life because you're not to be bound like that by the enemy. I'm just telling you, you're not. But then the third types of dreams are dreams that are really from God, the Holy Spirit. Dreams that are prophetic messages from God. Now, often a prophetic message from God will be instructional. You'll get a release of heavenly wisdom or revelational. There's a revelation, a spotlight in a situation on opportunities or even relationships that are, that are in your life. And what I love is in the omniscience of God, that God is all-knowing. God is all-knowing. He's supernatural. He'll bring us to a higher level of divine information and, and understanding for where I'm at right now. So instructional, revelational, and thirdly, dreams often can be directional meaning there's clarity for direction that we have to take. Now, let me rewind and say it again, but God will use multiple ways to confirm his voice and his will to your life. Multiple ways and multiple times. If you feel like you're having a dream that could be a prophetic dream, a message from God, the best thing to do is start pressing in to prayer and asking God, reveal the interpretation. Let me understand it. Because the wrong interpretation can give way to error if you don't get the right interpretation. But as you're praying and as you're seeking God to give you the, the, the interpretation, you're beginning to ask him to bring clarity and meaning. Sometimes in a dream or, or a picture, there'll be different symbols that you'll get that can be clues to something that God is trying to say because they have biblical meaning. Water in Scripture always refers to the same thing. Fire in Scripture has biblical meaning and significance. But I'm pressing in and saying, God, what is it that you're saying to me? Now, a test here. I want to give you a test. I know you're listening because you're really quiet. A test here is when you feel like you've gotten a picture that's from God, a dream that's from God, a word, an impression, or something that's from God. A test here is do my spiritual leaders confirm it? You've got spiritual leaders in your life. And, and by the way, that's why it's important to be under the covering of a local church. If someone pops around from church to church to church, they've got an internet church and they got this church and that church and there's a special event over there and they're over there. I mean, when I was in, in Vienna, we had Nigerians, every baby dedication. They were at a different church for that baby dedication. They popped all around. You know what that's like? That's like walking out in the rain and you hold up an umbrella and there's all kinds of holes in your umbrella. You're partly covered, but you're not totally covered. The Bible says you got to come up underneath the covering. Why? It's because there's things that happen when you're rooted and you're planted and you're covered. Spiritual leaders can help bring confirmation to you. Spiritual leaders like your life group leader. 
your department pastors, those that are leaders in your life. If spiritual leaders in your life don't sense and feel that what you're hearing or seeing is a confirmation from God that it's not right, I wanna encourage you, pump your brake and begin to pray a little bit more. Just begin to seek God a little bit more. What I often find is when we begin to speak into someone and say, I'm not sure that's right. I'm not sure this is, you need to pray a little bit more about it. Sometimes they get mad and go to another church because they're seeking or they go to another leader because they're seeking somebody else to give them different advice. One day we were, we were, we were talking as pastors <laughs> and um, well, I'll tell you what happens. I, all my pastors turn in pastor's reports. And they share who they're, you know, who, who they're working with, uh, who they're maybe praying with. We don't know. I don't know all the circumstances, but I know that they're praying who they're working with so that I can have a feeling of what's happening in our congregation, the work that they're doing, the events, the goals, the things that are happening. And I saw one individual's name over about a five, six weeks period on about five or six pastors reports. Well, what happened is that person was going from person to person to person to person. At least it was in our church, but they were going from pastor to pastor, to pastor to pastor to pastor, trying to find a pastor to agree with the word that they had. Because when we don't get a word that, that from a spiritual leader that confirms what we want to do, many times we run off to somebody else. Pump the brake a little bit. Wise counsel from spiritual, mature leaders in your life becomes a, a covering. Paul says in Ephesians 3.10, it's the manifold wisdom of God that's released through the church, the spiritual body of Christ. We get the manifold wisdom of God. When God is genuinely speaking to you, he'll confirm it through wise counsel and mature believers in your life. Can I hear an amen? Lastly, lastly, I want you to write it down. I don't have time to spend a lot of time here, but God will use prophetic words, prophecy in your life. He'll use the word of God. He'll use thoughts, impressions, gentle whisper of God. He'll use pictures, images, dreams, visions. And lastly, he'll use prophecy, prophetic words. Sometimes prophetic words come in a sermon Sometimes prophetic words come out of a book you're reading or, 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 uh, or something you're listening to. For me, sometimes prophetic words will come in, in just casual conversation with somebody. And I thought it was casual conversation. And all of a sudden, it was prophecy. God was speaking into me. Something was being revealed. Now, remember, I've said over and over, God will use multiple ways to confirm his will to you. Multiple things, multiple ways to confirm it. And man, so many times he's done that in my life. But prophecy has a, has a primary goal. And this is the last scripture I read to you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 3. Paul says, but one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and confront, uh, comforts them, strengthens, encourages, and comforts. A prophecy that comes from God will bring strength to you, confirmation to you, revelation to you. Sometimes it'll be directional. Sometimes it'll help us to see events and things that God is preparing us for. And as it comes, it begins to encourage us. 
If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.